بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم سورة الصافات سورة الصافات is a مكي سورة and it has 182 verses and about 860 words بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصافات صفا والصافات by those lined up how صفا in rows والصافات و و is of قسم Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking an oath over here and remember that there are three letters for قسم واو با and تاء واو is the most common one والصافات by those who are in صف صافات is the plural of the word صافة And صافه literally translates as She who is in a صف She who is making a صف And she over here Should not be taken literally All right? Why? Because in the Arabic language We see that every object has some gender It has to be referred to with some gender Either male or female And in these verses الصافات And in the next ayah, الزاجرات And in the next ayah, التاليات Is all referring to the angels And remember that feminine is used for malaika For the angels Because the word malaika It ends with what? With a tamarbuta So there is a linguistic reason over here Angels are not male or female like human beings are They do not have this division Alright So الصافات Meaning those angels who are in صف صف صاد فا فا What is a صف? A straight row So صافات Ones who are in rows Ones who are lined up In straight rows Meaning the angels Who arrange themselves in rows For worship The best of them Being in the front rows In Surah Al-Safat, Ayah 165, we learn about the angels that they say, وَإِنَّا لَنَحْنُ الصَّافُونَ وَإِنَّا لَنَحْنُ الْمُسَبِّحُونَ We indeed arrange ourselves in rows, and we indeed glorify and praise our Lord. Meaning they arrange themselves in rows, for what purpose? For the purpose of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just as the believers, the people on earth, what are they taught? That when they worship Allah, how should they stand together? In a crowd? No, in rows. The word safa is also used for when similar things are together doing their work. Meaning in unity, they are doing their work. So for example, saf min al-ibil. Ibil are what? Camels. So saf min al-ibil is when camels are arranged in rows on three legs. Why? So that because they're not standing properly, one foot is tied, it's easy to slaughter them that way. Alright? So it implies doing something when a group is doing something together in unison. Then we see that this word is also used for birds when they have opened up their wings. In the Qur'an, Allah says in Surah Mulk, أَوَلَمْ يَرَوْا إِلَى الطَّيْرِ فَوْقَهُمْ صَافَّاتٍ 
وَيَقْبِضْنَ Because the birds together, they spread out their wings. And this is referring to birds when they are immigrating particularly, because we see that their wings are outstretched. Right? So together, opening, spreading out their wings. So as-safat then refers to the angels who spread their wings out. Meaning they're in mid-air. With their wings spread out. Why? Why are they in mid-air? As if they are awaiting the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Listening attentively. In Surah Nur, Ayah 41, Allah says, وَالطَّيْرُ الصَّافَّاتِ The birds are in صَافَّاتِ Meaning together, their wings are open. So, وَالصَّافَّاتِ is referring to the angels who are arranging themselves in perfect rows. And secondly, angels who are in mid-air with their wings outstretched because the angels do have wings as we learn in Surah Fatir. And why are they doing that? Waiting for Allah's orders. Safa. Safa. Saf is, Saf means a row. And over here, Saf is maf'ul. Alright, maf'ul bihi. And basically it's giving the meaning of plural. So it means as-safati safa, meaning as-safati sufufaha. In their roles, they are as they should be. So basically it's emphasizing the perfection and the orderliness of the roles that the angels form. Now the surah, it begins with the mention of the angels. And surah Fatir also begins the same way. Angels, what are they? They are a symbol of complete surrender and submission to Allah. And the peace, the harmony that the creation gains by the submission, right? Because we see that when you think of angels, you think of peace, sukoon. Why? Because the angels surrender to Allah. They are obedient to Allah. They don't disobey Allah. So they symbolize this, that when we surrender, we are in peace. And they also symbolize that when a creation is humble before Allah, is submissive, then what kind of a rank does it attain near Allah? A high rank. So this is what the angels symbolize. Now Allah is swearing an oath over here by the angels. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He can take an oath by any of His creation. We on the other hand can only take an oath by who? Allah, His attributes. Right? But not the creation. Why does Allah swear an oath in the Quran? Does He need to? No, He does not need to. But why does He need to? To emphasize the message that is being given. To establish the truth that is being spoken of. Because the listeners may be in doubt. And then the object that is chosen, that is selected to be the maqsum alayh, meaning the object on which the oath is being taken, so over here the angels. Why has that object been selected? Because there is a lesson to learn from it. So over here, the roles of the angels are mentioned. And Allah is taking an oath by it. Doesn't that tell us about the significance of forming roles? Of saf? It does. The Prophet ﷺ said, We have been favored over the rest of mankind in three ways. And one of them is that جُعِلَتْ صُفُوفُنَا كَصُفُوفِ الْمَلَائِكَةِ Our roles have been made like the roles of the angels. Meaning the way, as human beings, we stand in rows to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
That is the exact same way that the angels worship Allah too. Meaning together, they form rows. The Prophet ﷺ also said, Will you not form rows as the angels form rows in the presence of their Lord? Meaning when the angels go to Allah, they are not standing in a haphazard random crowd, crowding around. No. How do they go? How are they near Allah? In rows. And the people asked the Prophet ﷺ that how do the angels form their rows in the presence of their Lord? And he said they make the first row complete. And they keep to close together in their rows. So everyone look to your right and left. Are you close together to the person sitting next to you? Or are you far apart? And there's that strangeness and you know that awkward feeling between you and the other person. It happens, right? Because when we're close together, there's, you know, you're more relaxed. I'm not saying that you have to sit on top of each other. But when you're close together, you're relaxed. When you look at each other, look to the person sitting next to you. Right? You're relaxed because you know who's sitting next to you. You exchanged a smile. You exchanged a greeting. So you're relaxed. And when you're relaxed, then you can focus on your work. Right? Then you can do your work with ihsan. Whereas if you're sitting all cold and uncomfortable, I don't know who, is she looking at me? Who is she? Have I seen her? Maybe, maybe not. You know, you, you can't focus then. So the Prophet ﷺ encouraged us that we should form our roles just as the angels do. And how do the angels form their roles? They make the first rows complete, meaning first to fill the front rows, and they keep close together in their rows. The Prophet ﷺ also said, keep your rows straight, because your rows resemble those of the angels. Join the shoulders and fill the gaps between yourselves. Join the shoulders, this is in salah, alright, and fill the gaps. And be gentle and soft in your brother's hands. And do not leave spaces for shaitan. What does it mean, be gentle and soft in your brother's hands? Meaning if somebody is, you know, pointing to you or touching you, tapping you, that come closer, right? Don't say, oh, leave me alone. How dare you touch me? Right? Personal space. Where is that concept of personal space? Right? Don't get offended there. Be gentle in the hands of your brother. Be gentle in the hands of your group in charges. Right? If they're advising you, draw a little closer. If your friend is telling you, move a little closer, don't be offended. And do not leave spaces for shaitan. He who joins the role, then Allah joins him. And he who breaks the role, then indeed Allah breaks him. وَالصَّفَّاتِ صَفَّاتِ The fact that Allah is taking an oath by the angels forming roles. I mean, that's enough of a reason for us to take this matter Seriously. Now if you think about it, roles, what do they exhibit? Discipline and organization. What discipline, what organization? Personal as well as collective. Because only when a person is personally, meaning in their life, they are disciplined and organized, will they bother to form the role properly? Will they pay attention to detail? And collective discipline and order also, because when a group is collectively, meaning together they are disciplined, they will give importance to forming rows properly. The angels, they do not stand haphazardly crowding around, rather they arrange themselves in an orderly fashion. 
showing utmost respect for the one they are standing before. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Showing utmost respect for the one they are worshipping, they are standing for. This is how they worship, and this is how they receive commands from their Lord too. Because as-safat also means those with their rings open, meaning they're ready. Ready to take orders, ever attentive. So, also remember that in forming roles, there is strength, right, in this unity. There is humility in this order. And it's definitely a way of receiving Allah's love. Allah says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الَّذِينَ يُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِي صَفًّا كَأَنَّهُمْ بُنْيَانُ مَرْصُوصٍ Allah loves people who are standing in rows, fighting in the way of Allah. Now, Specifically jihad is mentioned over here, but this is a general rule. When people stand organized in the work that they're doing, disciplined, organized, it shows unity, it shows strength. And this is the way of gaining Allah's love also. It also looks beautiful, doesn't it? Straight rows, they have their beauty. And the Prophet ﷺ said that, إِنَّ إِقَامَةَ الصَّفِّ مِنْ حُسْنِ الصَّلَاةِ this is a hadith from Bukhari, that iqamat al-saf, meaning forming rows properly, this is a part of beautifying the prayer. Min husn salah Which means that if we don't form our rows properly, then will our salah be beautiful? Tell me, when you stand next to a person who makes the row properly with you, what kind of a salah do you perform? As opposed to performing salah next to somebody who refuses to join you know, their shoulder with yours, then it's a constant struggle, right? So, this is a part of beautifying the prayer. So, وَصَّرَفَّاتِ By those angels who are in rows, فَزَّاجِرَاتِ زَجْرَا أَزَّاجِرَاتِ فَ over here is of عطف. What does عطف mean? It gives a meaning of and. Right? Meaning, the following statement is being connected with the previous. What was the previous statement? It began with a wa. Wa of qasm. Right? An oath. And now, fa, this means that the oath is continuing. So, wasafati safa, meaning I swear by the angels standing in rows, perfect rows, as they should be in rows. And then, fazajirati zajra, then I swear by those who drive. فَالزَّاجِرَاتِ Az-zajirat is a plural of the word zajirah. Zajirah from the root letter is zajr. Zajr means to drive back, to hold back. It's forcible prevention, suppression. Alright? And how? It is basically a dafr biquwa. Forcibly repel or prevent, suppress something. But which kind of quwa? Which kind of force? Voice. Biquwati tasweet. Alright? With the quwa of voice. So for example, scolding, rebuking, shouting, alright? Forbidding with rough speech. This is what zajr is. Have you ever done this that, for example, somebody is going towards something that they shouldn't be touching, right? They're taking your cookie and you're like, ah, don't take my cookie. You don't even say don't. When you make that sound, that's enough to stop them in their tracks. Isn't it? This is zajr. 
Alright? Zajr is to forbid with rough speech. This is the meaning of zajr. Alright? And now zajr, it also signifies driving away with a cry or with a shout. Driving away with a shout. Chase someone away by making some noise. So for example, it is said, Zajar al-Ba'ir. Ba'ir. Ba'ir is a camel. Zajara meaning he incited the camel to quickness. That the camel was walking really slowly, so he made some sound, he shouted or he yelled, and that made the camel walk faster or start running. Does this ever happen with you? That you're walking away from someone, and as soon as you hear their footsteps, you start walking even faster? Right? You're walking away from someone and you hear them calling you and then you start running. Right? Their sound, it made you run faster. So this is also meaning of zajr. Alright? To urge on with a peculiar cry. To urge on with some noise. So az-zajirat, what is this referring to? Az-zajirati zajra. It's referring to the angels that drive, urge on. Urge on what? Different things. Like for example, clouds for the purpose of rain. Who bring the wind, who bring the rain. And how do they do that? Zajra, with a zajr. Meaning with some strict orders. Strict discipline. So basically, the angels who discipline the creation, who keep everything in order. Az-zajirati zajra. So what do we see over here? Another side of the angels. The angels are as-saffati saffa. They observe discipline themselves. And then fazajirati zajra, they enforce discipline in the creation also. Not human beings until the time of our death. But otherwise, when it comes to the clouds, when it comes to the rest of the creation, then who is behind them? It's the angels that are behind them. They are administering discipline in the creation. When we think of angels, we think of piety and softness and leniency. And This doesn't mean that the angels are casual and irresponsible in their work. No, they are disciplined and they ensure discipline also. Because فَزَّاجِرَاتِ زَجْرَا Because who are they loyal to? Allah. Whose servants are they? Allah's servants. أَزَّاجِرَاتِ زَجْرَا can also be understood as the angels that harshly take the ruh of some people at the time of their death. Driving it forward, taking it away. Or it could be referring to the munkar nakir who will scold, literally scold. Sit up. They won't be soft in their speech. So, فَزَّاجِرَاتِ زَجْرَا And zajr, the word zajr at the end, is a masdar for the purpose of tawkid, for the purpose of emphasis. فَالتَّالِيَاتِ فَالتَّالِيَات Again, fa over here is of taqib or atf. Alright, connected with the previous. Meaning the oath is continuing. That I swear by who? At-taliyat, those who do tilawah. Tilawah. What is tilawah? Recitation. They do tilawah of what? Of dhikra, of the message. And what is the message? The Quran. 
So فَالتَّالِيَةِ ذِكْرَى Meaning by those who recite the Qur'an. The angels who recite the Qur'an. Or the angels who recite the dhikr. Which dhikr? Dhikr of Allah. Meaning alongside their work, whatever work they're doing, they're ever ready to receive Allah's orders because as-safat, right? They have their wings outstretched, waiting for Allah's command. فَالزَّاجِرَاتِ zajra, And then they ensure the work is being done with discipline, utmost discipline. But whatever they're doing, how do they do it? فَالتَّالِيَاتِ ذِكْرَى With the dhikr of Allah. They remember Allah. They are never heedless of Allah's remembrance. Now this can be taken as literally the angels that recite the Qur'an. Like Jibreel recited the Qur'an to the Prophet Alright? Or it can refer to the angels who engage in dhikr. فَالتَّالِيَاتِ ذِكْرَى Now these verses, as I mentioned to you earlier, they're primarily referring to who? The angels. This is the common interpretation. Some of Asirun, they have said that these verses are referring to the scholars of the Ummah. Because who are they? Wasafati Safa. Right? Meaning, when they do their work, when they're learning, when they're teaching, how do they do it? In the form of rows. Any school that you go to, Islamic school, in the sense that masjid, halaqa, what do you see? Some kind of discipline and organization when people are sitting. And remember, wherever we are lacking discipline, this basic discipline of how we should be sitting, then that's not really a gathering of ilm. Discipline in the way we sit is necessary. Because if we're just crowding around, then that is just crowding ourselves. Right? I mean, there's no organization in the knowledge that we're taking, in the way that we're processing it. It doesn't mean that every time it has to be straight. It can also be in circles. Right? But some orderliness. There should be some orderliness. Think about it. When you go to a class, right? You're sitting amongst others. At your desk. At your spot. Do you get in the mode of studying? Do you? Yes. But if you are sitting, let's say, at the library where some people are sitting on the floor maybe, some people are you know, eating, some people are sitting, others are half reclining, can you get into the mode of studying? It's difficult. Unless you put some headphones on and just look down, right? Focus on your book, cut yourself off from the rest of the people. It's difficult to focus. So, these verses some have said they refer to the ulama because when they do their work, they learn, teach, this is how they sit. And meaning they make and maintain rows for disciplinary purposes. And then they're also strict sometimes for zajirati zajra. Right? We don't know what zajr is. Okay? It's amazing how sometimes when you're listening to the lectures of shuyukh, okay, in the middle all of a sudden there will be a zajr. I remember when I was listening to a lecture in Arabic by a sheikh and somebody asked him a question, right? And he said, What's the evidence of this? And you know what the sheikh said to him? He said, You have certainly transgressed in the way that you have asked the question. So before I address the question that you've asked, you seek forgiveness from Allah. Because this is not how you ask a question. It's not respectful. And when I heard it, I was like, how many times have I said, well, what's the proof of this? Right? I mean, so casually, we object at teachers, at shuyukh, 
forget about asking them in person. Look at the trolling that goes on, you know, on social media. A sheikh says something, and people are responding as if they are better shuyukh than the real shuyukh. It's amazing. Amazing. So sometimes a zajr is necessary. You want to say something? When it's breaking coming, uh, I mean the breaking coming, or sometimes you want because you pay for the class, you're going all the way down to the door and bring you out to embarrassing your thing because you have to be on time. They said because this elim's not cheap. When you want to get elim, you have to be respected. So he really is strict with that, and everybody uh, and the next time when the student knows about his. Uh, his policy and rule, so everybody's on time. Nobody's coming too late. So we have to be strict for uh, when you're getting some things. Is that a recommendation? Yes, sure. Okay. No, okay. I myself actually, many times it's happened with me that in a class I was scolded in front of everybody. I remember once I was sitting in class and I was kind of falling asleep. Like sometimes you do too. I mean, I, I've been there, done that, it happens, right? And uh, I remember trying to, you know, wake myself up. I was pinching myself literally, wake up, you know. You press yourself, you poke yourself with your pen, something, you know, press your fingers to wake yourself up. Because in our class, by the way, it wasn't even respectful to pick up your bottle and start drinking. Okay? So it wouldn't work there. And I remember I was colded. Once in class I got up to get something. And that was for the class. I came back and I was, again, scolded in front of the whole class. It's happened. But I believe that it's this strictness that I have been through, alhamdulillah, that has, you know, that has brought me something. Because when we take things too casually, then what happens? It comes casually and it goes casually also. It doesn't stick, it doesn't stay. We don't value things that come too easily to us. So strictness sometimes is necessary. So fazajirati zajra, and then the ulama, what do they do? Fataliati dhikra. They recite the dhikr. They teach the dhikr. Now after the qasm, what does Allah subhanahu wa taala say? What's the jawab qasm? Inna ilahakum lawahid. Indeed, your God is who? Surely one. This is the conclusion to the oath. The jawab qasm is indeed ilahakum. Lawahid. Your God is one. Who? The one who has created these angels. And the one who has managed the affairs of his entire creation. So what do we see over here? The angels are proof to the evidence of one God. And the ulama, their ta'aleem is also all leading up to this. One God. Fa'lam annahu la ilaha. You should know that indeed there is no God worthy of worship but who? Allah. So, inna ilahakum lawahid. Now if you see over here, the angels are mentioned. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath by the angels. Alright? And then the response is, your God is one. Why? Because of the beliefs of the Arabs was that the angels were the daughters of Allah. And so they worshipped the angels. So over here, their false belief is being refuted. It is being refuted. No, the angels are whose servants? They are Allah's servants. They are worshippers of 
Allah. They are reciting His dhikr. They are carrying out His orders. They are standing in rows in His service. They are waiting for His orders with their wings spread out. Why? In whose service? In the service of Inna ilahakum lawahid. You're one God. Rabbus samawati. Who is He? He is Rabbus samawat, the Lord of the skies, wal ard, and also of the earth. Just that? No. Wama baynahuma. And whatever that is between them, of the various creations that exist, He is the Lord of every creature. The skies, the earth, wama baynahuma. And what is between the sky and the earth? The sun, the moon, the clouds, the stars. كُلٌّ فِي فَلَكٍ يَسْبَحُونَ He is the Lord of all of these creatures. وَرَبُّ الْمَشَارِقِ And He is also the Lord of all the mashariq. Mashariq is the plural of the word mashriq. And what is mashriq? The place of shuruq. The point of shuruq. And what is shuruq? What is ishraq? Ishraq. When do people pray ishraq? After sunrise. Right? So mashriq is the point or place of sunrise. Now literally what this means is, He is the Lord of all the sunrises. Right? Or of all the easts. Because that is the place where the sun rises from. Now why sunrises? Because each day the sun rises from where? From a different point. Right? And also at a different time. Isn't it? Whether that difference is of two minutes from the previous day or half a minute or some seconds from the previous day, there is some difference in place and in time when it comes to sunrise. The angle is different. Right? So this is why Rabbul Mashariq. Because every day of the year the sun comes out from a new point. So there's 365 times of sunrise for each city, for each place. Rabbul Mashariq. And notice how only the Easts are mentioned. Why not the Wests? Because every East implies West also. Sunrise means there is a sunset. Right? And the plural Mashariq are mentioned. Why? Because it's not just the sun that rises, but it's also so many other celestial bodies that rise. Stars, moons, right? I mean, of different planets. So, رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا وَرَبُّ الْمَشَارِقِ Just imagine this. No matter what place, what time, what location, what moment, Allah is its Rabb. Inna, indeed we, Zayanna, we have adorned, we have beautified. As-sama, ad-dunya, the sky, which sky? Ad-dunya, the worldly, meaning the sky which is right above the dunya, the sky that is closest to the world, meaning the sky that we see. So we have adorned it, we have beautified it, how? Bizinatin, with a zina, with a beautification. Which beautification? Of al-kawakib, of the stars. Plural of the word? Plural of the word? Kaukab. What is kaukab? Star. Can you think of any other word that's for star? Najm. Now there is a difference. Kaukab is used for a big star. Have you ever noticed that in the sky? Some stars, they appear bigger compared to others. Some are so faded and some are so bright. So, إِنَّا زَيَّنَّ السَّمَاءَ الدُّنْيَا بِزِينَةِنِ الْكَوَاكِبِ The sky of the world, meaning the lowest sky, the one that we see, is covered with stars. 
Meaning we see it full of stars. Now these stars are for a purpose. And what is that purpose? One of them is beautification. What are stars? Hmm? MashaAllah, mother and daughter. Excellent. Go ahead. Okay, you've taught her well, mashallah. Uh, so they are gaseous, what? Objects that are compressed, right? Together. And how far are they from the earth? How far are they? Too far away, right? Now if you think about it, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted, we would never see the stars, right? I mean, so many objects exist in space, don't they? And the space that we know of, that is Sama Ad-Dunya. Alright? And imagine, there's six more Samawat above it. Okay? So, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted, He could have hidden these stars from us, just as so many other things are hidden. But He has created them in such a way, at such a distance, in such a manner, that we can perceive them, we can see them from where we are. Why? For what reason? Zina. Adornment. Beautification. So that in the sky, in the night, when it's totally dark, and you feel afraid, but you look up, the sky, it looks peaceful. It looks beautiful. Isn't it amazing? There have been so many times, you know, for example, when we arrive home late at night, right, and the kids are kind of scared because it's dark, it's quiet, and you can easily distract them, look up. Look up. Can you see any stars? Can you see the moon? It's such an easy distraction. It calms you down. So this is zina. Zina tiyul kawakib. But is it just for the purpose of beautification? No. Another purpose also. And what is that? Wahiflan. And also as protection. Against what? Min against kulli shaytan. In every shaytan that is marid. Rebellious. The word hifth. What does hifz mean? To protect something from external dangers. Right? For, from being wasted away. And shaytanim marid. Marid is from the root letters meem radal. Murud is to rebel. Alright? To rebel. And marid is used for a rebellious jinn. So, the stars are there in order to protect against who? Against the rebellious shayateen. So the stars are there for the purpose of beautification as well as protection. In Surah Al-Anbiya, Ayah 32, Allah says, وَجَعَلْنَا السَّمَاءَ سَقْفًا مَحْفُوظًا We have created the sky as a protected ceiling. Protected against who? Against the shayateen. This is mentioned in various places in the Qur'an. Protecting them or protection in what way? Because the shayateen, as we learn from the Qur'an, they go up to the skies in order to listen to the conversations of the angels. Eavesdrop. Right? To find out about what's going to happen. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them orders, right? And the angels, those who are more elite amongst them, they order the rest of them. So when the angels have their conversations, the shayateen try to go and eavesdrop. To get some information from there. So that they can find out about what's going to happen. Alright? And what do they do? They take this information, whatever they can manage to hear, to who? To their friends amongst people. And those people, they claim to know the unseen, they claim to know the future. So, the stars are there for the purpose of hifl against shaitan marid. How? 
how do these stars protect against the rebellious shaitan? Allah says, لا not. يسمعون. They listen. إلى to الملأ الأعلى. The exalted assembly. They do not listen to the exalted assembly except that وَيُقْذَفُونَ That they are pelted مِنْ كُلِّ جَانِبٍ From every side. Pelted by what? By the stars. Meaning shooting stars. Now let's look at this ayah again. لا يسمعون يسمعون is from the root letter سين ميم عين. What does سمع mean? To hear, to listen. Do you see anything interesting in the word يسمعون? يسمعون. The سين has a شدة. Right? يسمعون. So far we have learned يسمعون or يستمعون. Right? But this is يسمعون. يسمعون is actually يَتَسَمَّعُونَ يَتَسَمَّعُونَ But the ta is assimilated with the scene and the scene gets a shadda. Alright? Right? And what does it mean? To try hard to listen secretly, to overhear. Okay? So, لَا يَسَمَّعُونَ They try, they try to overhear they're paying so much attention to land in the air, to listen secretly. And when they do that, what happens? They are pelted. Now, who are they trying to listen to? إِلَى الْمَلَأِ الْأَعْلَى الْمَلَأِ الْأَعْلَى Who is مَلَأِ? مَلَأِ Assembly. Alright? And الْأَعْلَى Highest. Highest council. High council. What is this high council? Of the angels. And why is it described as Al-A'la, high? Because where is it? Where is it? High up in the skies. So they try to eavesdrop, and when they do that, what happens? Yuqdafuna. Yuqdafuna from Qaf Dhalfa. Qadf. And Qadf is to hurl, launch at someone. So, except that they are launched at min kulli janib from every side. Janib from jump. Every side meaning every side of the sky from all directions. We learn that in Surah Al-Shu'ara, Ayah 212. Allah says, The shayateen are kept away from even listening. Because they used to listen. They used to go up in order to listen. But when the Qur'an was being revealed, were they able to? No, they weren't able to. And this is described in detail in Surah Al-Jinn. In Surah Al-Jinn, where we learn that in Ayah 8 and 9, that the jinn said that, أَنَّا لَمَسْنَ السَّمَاءَ We used to go touch the sky. فَوَجَدْنَاهَا for we found it مُلِئَتْ حَرَسًا شَدِيدًا وَشُهُبًا We found it filled with guards and also with what? With burning flames. Before we used to sit there in order to listen. But now what happens? Whoever goes and tries to listen now, he gets shot at. Alright? Shot at by what? By the shooting stars. So over here that is being mentioned. لا يسمعون إلى they used to listen before, but now what happens? They get shot at. Duhura repelled. Duhur. They are pelted for the purpose of being repelled. Duhur gives the meaning of madhur, meaning one who is repelled. 
They're driven away, removed far, expelled, chased away. Who are shayateen? Walahum adabun wasib, and for them is a punishment that is wasib. Wasib as in constant. Wasad ba. What is wasib? That which is daim, layan qatir. It's eternal. It never ends. Permanent, lasting, perpetual, forever punishment. So in the dunya there is punishment for them. And in the hereafter also, they will have an ongoing punishment. Illa except. Meaning the only shaitan that manages to hear something, to get some information, is who? Man who khatifa al-khatfata. Khatifa, he snatches. He snatched. Al-khatfa, that which is snatched. Now, interesting words. Khatifa al-khatfata. What's the root? Khatafa, khatf. And khatf is to grab to snatch something quickly and run off with it. Run off with it. That's how people steal, right? Run to a woman who's sitting on a wheelchair maybe, grab her purse and try to run away. Right? But what happens? She happens to be a very strong woman who fights back, for example. Right? But this is the idea. Run, grab, and run off. This is how theft is done. Have you ever seen birds you know, snatching food maybe from your hands or, or somebody else's hands. It's amazing. So this is khatfa. Okay? So khatifa al-khatfata, meaning quickly he comes over here something by theft because he's not supposed to be listening to that. Alright? But what happens? When he runs away with that information, فَأَتْبَعَهُ Then it pursues him. What pursues him? Shihabun, a burning flame that is thaqib, that is piercing. Shihab from the root letter Shinhaba. Shihab is blazing, burning flame. Alright? And thaqib, thaqafba. What does thuqub mean? Thuqub is idaa, to basically brighten. Okay? Light up. And the word thaqb is used for drilling, to drill, to make a hole. Okay? And thaqib is used for glowing red, fire-like bright flame. Alright, a flame that is, what kind of a flame? Glowing red, fire-like. And it's called thaqib because it pierces through the darkness. So picture a shooting star. It's as if piercing through the Darkness. Okay? And shihab and thaqib, you know, a burning ember, for example, as the firewood, it pops, it breaks away. Embers, sometimes they are shot off. Alright? Maybe you've seen that in a barbecue or something. And as they're shot off, wherever they land, they burn it. Okay? I remember once we went to a barbecue that was on, you know, a very good real barbecue on real wood that was burning. And I came back and I see there's a hole in my dress at the bottom. Just straight hole. Why? From what? From one of the embers that probably came and landed and it just pierced right through. This is shihab thaqib. Okay? Pierces through. So any shaitan that goes up and listens to the conversations of the angels and steals some information and he comes quickly overhearing and running off with what he has stolen of information. What happens? Atbahu shihabun thaqib. And this shihab thaqib, it pierces him, hitting him like a bullet or a laser. So what do we see in all of these verses? The shayateen are prevented from hearing any of the conversations of the angels. 
And those who do manage to steal some information, they're instantly seized. Like in Surah Al-Hijr, Ayah 18, it is mentioned, إِلَّا مَنِ اسْتَرَقَ السَّمْعَ فَأَتْبَاهُ شِهَابٌ مُّبِينٌ And remember, this was especially for the protection of wahi, as described in Surah Jinn. Right? So during the wahi, remember, none escaped. None managed to even draw closer when the Qur'an was being revealed to the Prophet ﷺ. But before that time and after that time, Okay. There are those shayateen who go and who try to listen who can. All right. But they manage to escape sometimes. When they do escape, how do they escape? After they've been hit by shihabun thaqib. And when they bring this information, they mix it with a hundred lies and then they pass that information to who? To their human friends who mix it with further lies and then they claim to know the unseen. Because the people once they ask the Prophet ﷺ, you know these soothsayers, fortune tellers, sometimes they're right. How are they right? And this is what he explained. That the shayateen, they go and listen. Some of them they manage to steal some information and they bring it to their human friends, mixing it with lies, who mix it with more lies and then they pass it on. I mean if you think about it, horoscope or anything like that, aren't there such vague statements sometimes? Something good's gonna happen. Well, of course, every day. No matter how bad the situation is, something good does happen. Right? You're gonna die. Yes, everybody's gonna die. Somebody's gonna get sick. Yes, everybody gets sick. Right? These are facts of life. But they're presented as knowledge of the unseen that somehow they have access to. Right? So in all of these ayat, what do we see over here? The angels, right? their orderliness, in that is a lesson for us. The discipline that is maintained within the heavens, the organization, in that is also a lesson for us. And who is the one above all of this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And all of this is a proof, this creation is a proof of what? Inna ilahakum Who? Lawahid. He is only one. All of these verses point towards Tawheed. Recitation. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصافات صفا فالزاجرات زجرا فالتاليات ذكرا إن إلهكم لواحد رب السماوات والأرض وما بينهما ورب المشارق إنا زينا السماء الدنيا بزينة الكواكب وحفظا من كل شيطان مارد لا يسمعون إلى الملأ الأعلى ويقذفون من كل جانب دحورا ولهم عذاب واصب إلا من خطف الخطفة فأتبعه شهاب ثاقب